Bobby Hurley up the floor with Leitner. They throw it to the left of the floor. Leitner catches, comes down, dribbles, shoots, Seconds to Madness, your college basketball podcast. I am Russell Hainline, uh, joined as always from the Firestarter crew. We've got KBAD. KB, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, bro. How you doing? Oh, can't complain. It's uh, It's been too long. It's been too long, but we're back. Uh, we're going to talk about some NBA draft, do a little mock draft action. Um, we're going to only have you for the first part of the show. We're going to go through the lottery with you. But that's the uh, that's like the first fourteen picks, sixteen. Yep. First fourteen, as I know, the Wizards had fifteen. Got it. Well, maybe maybe I'll get your fifteenth as well, since sure. uh, since I know sure. the Wizards are your team, uh, and then I'll close out the rest and I'll do some uh, some second round sleepers uh, analysis once we lose you. Uh, but since we've only got you for a limited amount of time, let's waste no time. Let's go straight to number one, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, who do you have the Suns taking? And for the record, we're gonna do today. Uh, for the listener, we're not doing what we think will happen necessarily. We are doing what we would do if we were the one in charge of the pick for each respective team. So, uh, so KB, who would you pick if you're the Suns? DeAndre Aiden. It's it's pretty simple. They have a massive hole at center. Um, I hear a lot of the comps. I've heard David Robson. I've heard Patrick Ewan. I don't quite understand those comps if you have any questions about his defensive ability. Um, I, I don't really know what Greg Oden was supposed to be coming, um, um, coming out of college. I mean, really coming out of high school. I don't really think we saw what he was supposed to be even in, um, in college, but, um, just from a frame standpoint, they seem somewhat similar. Sure. Um, also from a frame standpoint, um, he reminds me a lot of Dikembe Mutombo, um, and not of course old Dikembe, but young Dikembe. Uh, people who may be a little too young to remember what he was like as a young player, and that may be somewhat relative because there's rumors that he may have been 30 when he was a rookie. But the y- young, the youngest, the Kimbe that we that we saw, um, just from a frame standpoint, how he moves around the basket, defensively not the same type of player, but um, just mannerisms remind me of the Kimbe. Um, I think he's going to be a top-notch offensive center in the NBA from day one. Um, defensively, I'm not quite sure he has the defensive intelligence needed to be an elite rim protector, but just overall, everything you've seen from him at this point, I think it's as about as close to a no-brainer as you get at number one. Yeah, I mean, it also wouldn't be a surprise if uh, DeAndre Ayton came out and said he was 30. So, <laughs> sure. yeah. You know, there's that there's that comparison as well. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ayton, too. Um, I think at this point, in the NBA, I, I don't really know if you've got an offensive weapon, whether you can knock him for perceived lack of defense, unless you think that he will be such a liability that it that it discounts everything he does on the offensive end. Because so many of our stars in the NBA today aren't very good defenders. Um, you know, a lot of them on the outside, but even somebody like, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, who's brilliant, is, is not a very good defender. Um, 
you know, there's with sort of a, a re-emphasis on sort of freedom of movement, I think you see a lot of these guys who are exceptionally talented offensive players uh, conserve anyway and, and leave their energy for the glass and for, and for what they can give on the offensive end. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to knock him too much for the for the defense just because the potential is there for him to be really special. And, you know, I, I would have considered Bagley here if Aiton was not A, bigger, uh, and B, uh, a better shooter. I think that those two things, even if there are questions about his defense, there are questions about Bagley's defense. There, I've heard some questions about Aiton's um, – I, I mean, I've raised questions about – his consistency, there have definitely been games in which you don't feel him on the court as much as you should feel a guy that is as big as he is. Um, but again, like at number one, if you're Phoenix, you got to take the guy who is the highest ceiling player there. And, I, and I, as you said, I think it's a pretty no-brainer that DeAndre Ayton is that guy. Uh, number two, KB, the Sacramento Kings. Who do you have going there? Uh, Bagley. Um, I make no qualms about me believing that he could be a 2018 guy in the NBA. There's no question about it in my mind. I mean, you see the talent. Um, there's questions again about his, uh, you know, defensive potential. I, 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 with somebody like him, I'm, I'm choosing to look at everything that he does right. And he does a whole lot right. And I think he's going to be a phenomenal scorer in the NBA. Um, he has the athleticism. He's going to rebound. Like, you know, you can try to pick him apart all you want, but there's a lot to like here. And looking at everybody else that may be available at this point in the draft, I see a lot of upside with a lot of these guys. There's a lot to like with these guys. But to me, he's clear-cut number two. How How do you view this draft in general in terms of just the class? I have people ask me that a lot. Uh, do you how, how do you perceive it? Um, I think there's a lot of talent at the top of the draft. Um, I think there's potential for some of these guys to be perennial all-stars. Um, just overall, I think it's pretty strong up top. And I think even when you start looking at the middle of the draft, of course, being a Wizards fan, looking who may be available at the 15th pick, I'm seeing guys I would love to you know bring in and, and people that could be foundational pieces of this franchise, like guys who could you know eventually become you know very good starters. Um, so, um, compared to recent draft classes, I mean, I, I can't really compare cause I, I'm, I'd be trying to rack my brain trying to think about who the last couple of draft classes, um, right. who were in those, but I think it's a pretty, pretty strong draft. Yeah. I, I think it's strong up top. I think the last couple of drafts were deeper. Certainly last year's was, was very deep. Like we were looking at the beginning of the second round and still seeing guys that that you and I thought could be NBA players, whereas I was doing the thing I normally do, where I go through and make a mock of the second round. Second round is pretty sparse after the first few picks. There's only a couple of guys with high potential, and they also have a lot of question marks. And then there's like a lot of dudes, especially sort of in the back twenty picks, that like I feel like are real long shots to make it. Um which definitely feels different than previous years. I, I also think that the 20 through 30 feels a little bit sparse as well. Um, I agree with you that, you know, but God, I, I could even like pull the plug around, like say pick 11 or 12. And I could say that like, there's a, there's a, 
there's a clear tier for maybe like the top seven, and then there's a tier like eight through twelve ish, and then I think there's a divide that's pretty noteworthy from there, at least compared to again previous seasons. We'll see. I mean, I obviously could be wrong, but I I've been telling people I think it's very top heavy. I think there's a good deep top. It's not like three or four players. It's like nine or ten. Um, but yeah, the the back is pretty br- brutal. Um, I'm also going to go Bagley. I, I think with eight name with Bagley, I don't even think the word defensive potential is my concern. It's it's more just like awareness because I think they both have the potential to be terrific defenders. Yeah, that's what I meant with eight. Yeah. Like his his awareness just isn't there, it's, and that's the thing. Like I don't know if you can gain awareness. Like I think I think it's something you either have or you don't. So I think that's just why his overall potential to be a elite rim protector, like someone along the lines of a Patrick Ewing coming out of Georgetown, a David Robinson coming out of Navy. Like I've heard those comparisons, and if like if you're that's that you're trying to compare him to those guys, and you have a question about his defensive awareness, and that's a bad comparison. And and I hope you're not expecting him to eventually be that type of defender, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with not being that. You can just be a, an average, you know, rim protector. You can just be an average defender. But even with everything else that him and Bagley do well, it's not a huge red flag for me. Right. What were what were Ewing's freshman year numbers? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. I'm looking at that right now. I'm, I'm that's a damn good question. Curious. Um, because oh, I, I know his... Alonzo Mornings. Alonzo Mornings were uh were off the charts. Um, yeah, I, I I just trying to I keep trying to remind myself that like usually we do a pretty good job at when it when it pertains to like say shooters and and point guards, a lot of those players tend to come in with like okay they get a couple of years, mm-hmm. but when it when it comes to big men who clearly have like big man bodies, I I feel like they don't as often get that same degree of, of wiggle. They're sort of expected to have certain things day one. And you're right. The things like shot blocking timing, like stuff like that does feel like it's more intuitive. Um, but yeah, I, I think things like learning how to switch a little bit better, learning how to move your feet laterally, um, figuring out when, there's sort of a double team when you help, when you leave your guy, when you don't. I, I think these are things that can be learned with a little more practice, especially for somebody like Aiton, who I guess my understanding is that he came to the game maybe a little bit later than some mm-hmm. of the other people did. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that you're taking him number one, so I guess you're gambling on that a bit, but again, the upside there. Bagley, I just think the motor is too high. You can't – You he's so talented that – when you combine that with that motor and how bouncy he is and how big he is and how versatile he is, especially in today's game, what he has the potential to do with that versatility, mm. you just can't question that. So mm. often when I look at the guys at the top of the of the chart who are all very talented, a lot of them have questions about, you know, sort of consistency of effort. Um, and that's just not a question that ever comes up with Marvin Bagley. Um you know, he, he might have the best motor in the entire draft uh, along with that skill set. If, if it wasn't for Aiton, he, I would have no qualms about picking him number one. Uh, and I think the Kings, they'd have a lot of very talented players on their team <laughs> once they mm-hmm. once they add somebody like Bagley, if they add Bagley. I mean, between De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, 
you know, Willie Cauley Stein can still run. They've got Buddy Heald who can shoot on the outside. They've got uh, Harry Giles who will be healthy and playing this year. Uh, Scott Labissier, who again, if he lives up, I mean, that's that's a lot of good dudes on a team. It's obviously a lot of big dudes. It'll be interesting to see how they make that work, but um, a lot of potential there. Interesting things in Sacramento. Uh, number three, this is where things I think may start to get a little interesting. I'm interested to see who you who you pick here. I'm just gonna get it out of the way. Just take Luka Doncic. I don't care. I don't. <laughs> I don't know anything about him. I'm just getting that the hell out of the way. So. <laughs> what? So uh, I've been talking about this a lot with some people. When it comes to the Euro guys, I f- I feel like I can't assess them accurately enough. You know, because, like, for the most part, what I have exposure to is, like, the YouTube compilations. Um, yeah, you you get occasional, like, EuroLeague games that you can watch. But it's just, it's so hard to assess what that what that talent level is. Um, it's, I mean, clearly the kid is is good, I would think. But, like, in terms of Euro players that you don't get to look at a lot, what are the things that that you like to hear about those players or the things that like when you hear it about those players are red flags for you? Um, motor, um, toughness for big men, toughness around the basket, um, things like that. And yeah, also I like, agree. and also whether like for a perimeter player, like he's not the quickest guy, not sure. the most, not the most explosive. So, you know, yeah, that's a red flag for me, for sure. Yeah, I, I usually like I like to hear the word that he, that he likes to play physical. Like mm-hmm. I I always like somebody like uh like Nurkic and like some people like that, some bigs who have done pretty well in the NBA recently. They would come in to the draft and the scouts all say likes to likes to bang around, like likes to play physical, likes to play right. hard. And you know, those sorts of things are invaluable but especially in in european players where they get the reputation for being softer when i hear that Doncic is not as quick not as athletic um you know maybe isn't the type of guy who could play as physically that definitely concerns me regardless of what his skill level is uh and so i'm not picking Doncic here i'm letting him slide another spot i'm gonna go michael porter jr here uh, I think the Hawks could use all the help they can get, obviously. And I think Porter Jr. is the highest upside guy left on the board at this point. I think Doncic maybe is safer. I'm sure I'm sure people are still worried about MPJ's uh, like hip problem, his, his sort of bill of health. Um, but if you've got a guy that size who moves like that, who shoots the ball well. He didn't get to shoot a lot this year, but who reportedly has has always shot the ball well. Has very good handles for a guy his size. Uh, obviously, he's a nightmare for defenses to match up with, but also he's quick enough where he could defend multiple positions. With more and more teams going towards a more versatile lineup and looking at Boston and Golden State and looking at people who can do everything, who can switch everything defensively, who can handle the ball, I think a guy like Porter Jr. is absolutely invaluable. And I I wouldn't really hesitate to take him number three. And I really wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I would hope this isn't the case. But if you went like as high as two to Sacramento – Again, that wouldn't necessarily surprise me because people definitely were talking about him as a top two pick coming into the year. If he had played, he'd probably be there. So, Porter Jr., my number three. 
you're number four, KB, after the Grizzlies. I would go Porter Jr. here. Um, the only thing I think that would keep him from going number two, because again, like you said, coming into the season, it was pretty much expected he could be, you know, if not the top pick, you no know, lower than maybe the second or third pick in the draft. But, um, you know, you have to have concerns about potential back issues um, right. for a kid this age. So I understand why people may be a little hesitant to pick him this high. But, again, just going off of what I've seen, what little I've seen of him actually playing, yeah, man, for somebody who's 6'10", 6'11", uh, with his ball handling skills, with his ability to rise up, shoot the ball from range, um, just his potential defensively, like, the kid can be a star. I've heard Paul George comps. If you think you can get Paul George at this point in the draft, you do it all day. So, Yeah, and also, if you're a team like Atlanta or even a team like Memphis, what do you have to lose? Exactly. I mean, I mean, he's he's exactly the type of guy that you take a gamble on because, you know, it, like you say, if he plays the season, he's healthy, you don't get a chance to draft him any damn way at this point. So, yeah, it's it's worth the gamble. Yeah, and and I don't think I don't think they'd go point guard uh, if you believe that a point guard is a franchise changer. I don't think somebody like Mo Bamba carries you alone, even if especially if Gasol left. You know, um, even somebody like Wendell Carter, who I love, is not a guy who single-handedly can transform a franchise. Porter Jr. is absolutely that guy. Um, again, if healthy. I, I went ahead and put Doncic here for, honestly, similar reasons uh, to you saying Porter Jr. Again, if he doesn't pan out, what's the worst that can happen? The Grizzlies are bad. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you've you've got to take the guy that everyone says is a winner through and through, who lives for the big shot who's a great shooter, who's crafty with the ball. Um, again, I haven't seen these things. Uh, I don't really like commenting on players that I haven't seen play multiple games, um, but everything you hear sort of suggests that he's worth a gamble in a place like this. And again, there are certainly people who believe he's a franchise changer, and, you know, that's that's really what you need at this juncture. And if you're Memphis, you, you're not going to get a guy like this. If he turns out to be as good as you think, you're not going to ever get a guy like this free agent. You have to draft him. No, like true, absolutely. You have yeah. to draft a guy like this. So it's worth the gamble. Same with Atlanta. I mean, like, the the, the best thing you can do is hope for, like, sort of a second-tier type of star maybe who, who could come in. You could overpay. But, yeah, these guys aren't <laughs> these guys aren't coming to town anytime soon. That's a great point. Uh, number five, the Dallas Mavericks. Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, if there's one player in this draft I wish I could put on the Wizards next season, it would be him just because of his defensive versatility. He's exactly what they need. He's somebody that could guard all five positions, um, and I think he has considerable upside offensively. Um, I know he has a funky little jump shot, but it, it finds a way to go into the basket. I think he's going to get a lot better on that end. He's a hard worker. Um I mean, I, I love his kisses. I saw him in high school. I mean, George Simon recruited him. His dad played there. We didn't get him, of course, because uh, there's a whole lot of stuff that's behind that. But um, he's somebody I followed for a while, and, I, and I've loved his game from day one. And I know that people were um, <laughs> people a little confused about his foul troubles this season. Um, I think as he goes on to the NBA um, and just learns, you know, not to use, get, get so handsy sometimes, um, just, you know, use his length, um, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. I, I don't see it being an issue long term, but um, 
yeah, just from a defensive standpoint, to me, this kid um, is going to be an invaluable piece wherever he goes. And I think he has, again, considerable offensive upside as well. So, um, yeah. Very good. I'm going to go Mo Bamba, staying in Texas. Uh I, I, I'm somewhat lower on Bamba. I, I, like, I hear people talk about Bamba in in very heightened ways, I feel like. You know, um, I forget whether The Ringer is one of the sites that, like, just really, really loves Bamba. Um, there are a couple of sites that really love Bamba. I, I think that what you'll get with him is someone with, again, incredibly high potential. Uh, and as it pertains to Bamba, I think he's probably got a pretty uh, high floor as well. I mean, worst case scenario, you get you know, a, a rim protecting big man uh, who can also maybe step out and make a little jumper every now and again. You know, if, if you can find a big man who can move his feet like that, who can run like that, who will make free throws at a decent clip uh, because his jump shot looks pretty good, passes the eye test for sure, Maybe even steps out and, sh- and takes a three now and again. I-, I don't love that part of his game, but like, I think worst case scenario, even if none of those things really develop to elite levels, you got a guy who plays in the NBA for a decade. You got your, you can just slot him in as your center and be like, there he is. Um, I mean, I guess worst case scenario, he ends up being more like a. I mean, it's a bad comparison because he doesn't have the same length, but like a Bismack Biombo type, who you know, puts up, like, a very unsexy, like, seven and seven and, like, two and a half blocks. Like, that's sort of, like, a worst-case scenario with him, I feel like. And if you're Dallas, I, again, I just – I think having a, a rim protector there, Dirk can help him learn how to shoot a little bit, help him work on some of that face-up game, you know, as his sort of last year as, like, a player-slash-mentor. Um, in Texas guy after Texas. So, yeah, I, I think this would be a good fit. And, again, if you're Dallas – Take the guy with the extreme upside, and and if Bamba does pan out, that's that's a major home run. So, Mo Bamba. Number six, the Orlando Magic. Uh, I'll go Bamba right here. Um, just get it out of the way. Um, my biggest question about him, I know people have said this, and a lot of time, it, it, a lot of times it comes cliche around this time we need to talk about motor, um, mm. but. It stood out for me. Like I just, I just don't know sure. from game to game, like who's going to show up uh, for somebody that has the type of measurables that he has. Like, you know, if he played as hard as Bagley, he'd be the number one pick for sure. But, yeah, but I just don't know. I, I just don't know how much he wants to be a great NBA basketball player. Um, but again, you can't deny his measurables. Um, yeah. Extremely high potential. I think you took a you took a gamble at this point in the draft. So, yeah, that's why I'd put him on Dallas. Have have Dirk yell at him like he yelled at Eric Dampier during the uh, sure. series against the Heat. You know that yeah. sort of thing. Um, yeah, my and my other problem that I didn't bring up with Bomba is I don't like how skinny he is. Obviously, he could put on more weight, but like he's going to spend a couple of years getting bullied by guys who are bigger than him. I mean, Yudoka Azabuki from Kansas. Well, just, like, back him down very routinely, you know. Um, and obviously, Udoka's a very wide load, but, uh, you know, I feel like physical play will bother him a little bit until he can put on 
the weight that I that I think his frame can carry. Uh, number six, speaking of motor, I'm definitely going motor here for Orlando. I'm going Colin Sexton. He's going to be my first point guard off the board here. Um, I'm really torn about these three point guards, KB. We've talked about them a lot this year with uh, Gilgis Alexander and Trey Young and Sexton. And at the end of the day, I, I come down to a few things. I come down to the fact that Sexton uh, is the fastest guy. Uh, Sexton has terrific measurables, uh, good athlete. I think Sexton is the best defender of the three, uh, bar none. Um, people talk about how Trey Young can take over a game. We've seen Sexton take over games, too. Mm-hmm. Um I think there are some concerns about whether he's a bit more of a combo guard than like a pure point guard, but honestly, Orlando just needs bodies. They need they need somebody who can who can carry the load. I mean, if Orlando can get a guy, obviously Colin Sexton can't shoot like Kyrie Irving can, but even if you get somebody who's like a not as good a shooter, uh, I mean Kyrie's a bad comparison because Kyrie is just next level. But uh, if you can get somebody who can carry that load, who w- will come in and say, "I'll shoot enough to try to score 16 to 18 points a game. I'll run. I'll defend every single game. You're gonna see me trying my hardest." And you know we've talked about it on the show before. He's an asshole, which I think is also great because. You know, he's the guy that in game 57 of the season, when Orlando is already clearly going to the lottery, Colin Sexton's still going to be out there hustling, working hard, diving, talking trash. I, I just think that's the sort of attitude that a team that is sort of perennially in the lottery needs. And so, uh, yeah, give me Colin Sexton here at number six. Number seven, Chicago Bulls. Wendell Carter Jr., um, may not have the highest potential, but I think he has one of the highest floors of any player in the draft. Um, I love this kid's approach to the game. I just love the way he plays. Um, he'll be able to get you a bucket for the next 10 years in the league. He'll be able to rebound at a respectable rate. And, um, yeah, I mean, just offensive polish. I'll, I'll take it all day. Again, he may not have the highest potential. There's some guys that I'm going to mention after him that may have higher ceilings, but... He'll be a rotational piece from day one, and he's going to give you six hard fouls, like I said, rebound, and he'll be able to get you a bucket when you need one. I'll take that all day. Yeah, I've got him as well. I mean, he just makes sense. He just makes sense here. I mean, uh, especially for Hoiberg and the type of style that Hoiberg is going to want to play. I mean, he likes his big men to be versatile. Uh, He likes his big men to crash the boards and protect the rim. I think Carter is easily able to do that. He likes a big man that can pass. You know, George Niang had incredible success at Iowa State, largely because he was such a good passer. Wendell Carter is a terrific passer for a big man. Um, I agree that he's not, like, the sexiest upside guy, but I also suspect that he has better upside than people are giving him credit for. Uh, And I just think if you're Chicago and you can get Wendell Carter here... That's just an absolutely incredible deal. I think in a different draft that's not as top heavy, he's easily a top five sort of dude. So, um, yeah, Wendell Carter Jr. It, he's the type of guy that would immediately make the Bulls a, a contender for like you know one of those low playoff seeds in the East. 
in my opinion. Uh, number eight, Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm going Sexton right here. The one thing Ooh. that separates the one thing that separates him from the other guys that we're talking about is he's the biggest asshole, and I think Cleveland <laughs> needs a little bit of asshole on their team. What about that? Uh, what about that big one that's going to the Hall of Fame in a few years? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going. I'm not going to touch that. But yeah, um, <laughs> would you say Colin Sexton's assholishness is LeBron esque? Yeah, yeah. Why not? I, I, I'll go there. Um, I, I just think that ultimately. I think his the way he plays the game, the way he gets under your skin, like he's one of those guys that doesn't look at like everybody that's around him, everybody that's coming to the league with him as like his potential friend. Like now, once he like the balls tip, he wants to destroy right. the person <laughs> that has the ball. Like he's gonna do some dirty stuff. He's gonna do a lot of things that people going like you know he he's gonna be one of the most hated guys in the league. And I'm going to love every second of it because the kid can also play. So, to me, again, when I'm looking at these guys that we're talking about at point guard, that's the one thing that's going to separate him from those other guys, the fact that the asshole factor. Like, I, I, I want an asshole like that on my team. Are you are you worried at all? I keep hearing people be worried about the fact that uh, he doesn't seem like he's as pure a point guard as, like, Trey Young or maybe Gilgis Alexander. Dude, he, he got he got game, man. I agree. <laughs> like, like bottom line, he can play. Like, there, there's nothing he can't do. Like, you talk about him, like, being a pure point guard. Like, I don't think Trey Young is a, you know, a pure point guard in the sense of, like, Bob Cousy, Isaiah Thomas. I don't think he's that. But Colin Sexton, he can, he can handle it. He can shoot. He can play. He, that's bottom line, he can play. And, yeah. and, I, and I just love his approach to the game, how he plays the game. Once the ball is tipped for them 48 minutes, he's going to give you hell. I want that on my team. I also just think the concept of the pure point guard is really overrated at this point. It really is. And in like people always short. bring it up, and I don't understand. They like everybody needs to be able to pass to some extent at this at this point. Like everyone needs to be able to defend a little bit, shoot a little bit, pass a little bit. It's all versatility. Like mm-hmm. even like the whole stretch big thing is sort of. Uh, seeming to go out the window at this point with teams like Golden State and Boston just not really giving a shit about having a big man out there anymore. Even Cleveland, you could say to some extent, you know, just you, you got to have guys that can do a lot of stuff. And, yeah, Sexton is that. If if if, if I'm drafting a guy because he's pure at one position, that's I, I feel like that's a knock at this point. <laughs> sure, sure. So, anyway, speaking of versatility, I'm going to take here Mikael Bridges. Villanova. Uh, I think Cleveland badly needed defense last year. Very, very badly. Offensively, they they can hit threes. They can do a lot of things. But they're, they were not especially versatile. And good Lord, their defense was absolutely terrible. Uh, I think Bridges is probably the best. Oh, I'm going to regret this the second I say it. Maybe the best wing defender in the draft. He's up there. He's 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 high on that list. Uh he can also he's a he's a deadly shooter. Uh he's a great team player. Uh he's a good runner. There there's nothing that he can't 
do. And so I think especially for Cleveland, who if they want LeBron to stay around, they need guys who are win-now guys. I, I think he is one of the most win-now guys in this draft. And, uh, again, I, I see him sort of falling to, like, the 10 to 12 range in some other mocks. I, I don't understand that at all. I think he's a minimum top nine guy with a bullet. Um, so, yeah, I, I would take him on Cleveland in a heartbeat. Uh, number nine, the New York Knicks. Just take Trey Young, get it over with. Oh, God, KB, just, no. Just, just do no, it. No, no, don't just, do it. Just do it. Just do it. You know they're going to do it. That's the thing about it. Like, it's not, I, I'm, oh, I'm just taking myself out of this God. for a second. Like, you know they're going to do it. You know they're going to do it. Maybe he won't be there. <laughs> He's going to be there. I think he, <laughs> I, 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 like, as we're uh, going the, along, I, I, I'm making rationalizations for every pick we, we got up to this point. He's going. I think he's going to be there. I, and, and I would not be surprised if if some team, if some idiot GM is the guy who falls in love with him and reaches for him. If anybody's a guy who like should be going like in this like nine to twelve range, but ends up going like three through five, like and everyone's like, hubbly. Like it'll probably be him. So it yep. could be. But you're not wrong that uh, if he's there, that's uh, it's sexy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have fun watching him shoot the ball forty times. Uh, next sure, year. sure, sure. What do you, What do you think of Trey as an NBA prospect? I honestly don't know what to think. Like, I understand why people feel as though he has limitless offensive potential, but he scares me on the defensive end. He really does. So does the does the fact that we see in the playoffs, you know, basically like teams go at Steph Curry literally every single possession. Yeah, I mean, what? What does he have to be able to do to offset the fact that he will probably be targeted by the opponent's uh, offensive players? That's the thing. I'm not quite sure what you really can do. I mean, because, you know, I saw that kid go off this season a lot offensively. You're like, damn, this kid could be something in the league. And then I see him get absolutely destroyed possession after possession on offense. Like, people just attack him. And... You know, it's a big jump up from the Big 12 all the way to, you know, you, you, I mean, you, you just go down the list, man. Devontae like, Graham and Keenan Evans instead yeah, of uh, John Wall and Kyrie yeah, Irving and man, Steph. Yeah, and, man. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they aren't really a whole lot of breathers. So, <laughs> no, no, they, no. I mean, yeah, I mean, night in and night out, you're going against killers. So, like, I don't – that's the only part that really kind of – Worries me a little bit about what he can do in the league. I think offensively, I think he's going to be fine. He has the ability to contribute offensively, but defensively, I'm just a little worried because of what I saw in college, and it's not going to get any better right. in the NBA. So, yeah, uh, I've you know, I usually like to refer to people on here as like the Diet Coke version of some NBA player. He's like the Coke Zero version of Steph. Yeah. yeah. He's like that uh he's he's like a step below the diet coke. Just the thing. I don't even yeah. think Steph was this slight coming out of Davidson. 
No, but I'll, people, I'll, I'll be honest. I, you, I don't. You're right. You're right. But people talked about it. People did talk. Sure about they it. did. I mean, sure, I, sure. They, they, I can see a world in which he can put on 10 to 15 pounds and he'll be at basically Steph body level. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But then he's got to be Steph, who you could argue is, you know, already a top two, three point guard of all time in order to offset that defensive deficiency. And so right. that's that's a lot to put on a kid, especially in Madison Square Garden. Frank Isola is going to be, you know, creaming his jeans talking about this guy. Yeah. Um, I've got uh, I've got Jaron Jackson Jr. sliding here. Now, New York would be overjoyed to get Jaron Jackson Jr. here. Holy um, shit, you haven't said him yet? I hadn't said him yet. Um, I'm... I'm somebody who th- I could, I could have put him at eight. I considered him at eight. Admittedly, bridges over him is is more about just the fact that I think they needed wing help more than anything else. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could have taken him there as well. I I just I have him below some of these other guys. For me, I, it's not even that I think the foul trouble is something that will stick at the next level. I just think it's going to take time. Uh, I think, again, he's a guy who has a lot of potential, but he's also the type of guy that I could easily see becoming one of those, like, uh, you know, very unsexy 10 and 7 kind of guys, you know, who's, who who plays for a decade and does well and is smart and is like whatever – but um, I don't know. I just I felt like the upside on some of the guys above him. I felt a little more confident in it. I felt like the I don't know. I I I also just saw games, and again, maybe this is the foul trouble talking, right? But like sometimes I I wanted to see more aggression out of him offensively, the same type of aggression that he shows defensively. And I, I do wonder how the defense translate if he can't use those hands. I, I It will be good. It will be very good. Is it enough to justify the fact that I think offensively the people that I've drafted above him, save for Bamba, are all better? And, I, and I'm not 100% sure. I, and maybe this is just me also countering the fact that I see people who have put him in mocks as high as like two and three, which I think is outrageous and I think it's unfair to him. Uh, I think he's a he's a five to ten guy, um, in my estimation. I, I if if you pick him above Michael Porter Jr., that's that's just asking for Porter Jr. to become a star and for Jackson to be a solid player who gets unfairly shit on because of that. So I don't know. I put him down at nine, and you know, again, New York would love to have him. He's got high upside. So yeah, I'm, I'm admittedly a little lower, but again, I think he's a lock top nine guy. I, I can't get him any lower than nine. Even if I was a full blown hater, I couldn't have him lower than nine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm probably wrong. That's probably just a, an anti uh, Michigan State pro player bias that's seeping in a little bit. Uh, number ten, the Sixers. This is where things really start getting spicy. Who do you who do you have going to the Sixers? I'm going to go Mikkel Bridges, um, local kid. Um, like you said, there's not really a whole lot he can't do, and I still think there's considerable um, potential there for him to get even better offensively, um, creating off the dribble, um, shooting from long range. Uh, I think defensively he's going to be 
good enough in the uh, in the NBA. Um, I'm not quite maybe quite as high as you def- like on him as a def- as a defender. Um, because I, I'm not quite sure about his lateral movement, uh, his ability to maybe guard um, quicker threes in the NBA. But I think overall, that that's kind of nitpicking, to be honest with you. I, I think this kid is really good. I think he can get a whole lot better. And I think he's the type of kid that a contender would want to bring in because I think he's someone that can contribute from day one. He's sure. not somebody you have to sit, you're not going to season him, you're not going to have to put on a couple pounds. Like He's ready to go from day one. So I think it's a perfect fit, actually. Yeah. That would be a good fit. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm going upside here, and uh, uh, I've tried to hype this guy up to like uh, B. Shelley and a couple of the guys who I know who are Sixers fans. Uh, I'm going Zaire Smith, Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's a lot good to be had there. First of all, defensively, I take it back. Zaire Smith is the best defender on the perimeter. Has the best potential to be the best defender. Uh, on the on the wing, out of everybody, he's a little undersized height wise, but his wingspan's really strong. Uh, very fast, very athletic. Uh, people question his shooting. Uh, I don't have as much of a question. He, he, yeah, he's only an okay free throw shooter, uh, but again, on limited on limited attempts, I, I liked what I saw out of his stroke. Um, and obviously, again, the athleticism. If, if the Sixers are going to want to run, he's your guy. You know, uh, he's fantastic. I, I'd like to see him shoot more. I would have liked last year to have seen him be a little more aggressive offensively just to see what he can do if he's asked to, like, say, score 20 points in a game. You know, if, if he needs to be that guy, is he that guy? And there and there's question there. Uh, obviously a more raw prospect than some of these other guys, um, but especially with, you know, some of the talent that they've got and the fact that, again, I think they're a team that really needs wing defense badly. Uh, I, I think he's a great fit. And and he will win the NBA dunk contest next year. You heard it here first. Wow. That's the prediction. Putting it out there. I don't, I don't even know who else from this draft would be in it. I mean, uh, there's some guys, I guess. Maybe like Robert Williams. They could mm-hmm. they could they could throw Grayson Allen in there, although he's not going to win any popularity contests. But yeah, I, I I think Zaire is is an electric dude. So if he if he pans out, then great. And if he doesn't pan out, like for the Sixers, they're they're fine. You know, you you can play him as the defensive guy for now and see and see what else he can bring. Uh, number eleven, Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I'm gonna go Shea Gilgis Alexander right here. Uh, I just think it makes sense from a um, from the Hornets standpoint that he use a playmaker. Um, there's a lot to like about this kid. I mean, it, he, you know, offensively, there's not really a whole not to like about him. It's crafty. Um, you no, know, he has pure point guard. You go back to saying pure point guard, but <laughs> what, what you expect out of a traditional sure. point guard? Yes, he has those those abilities. Um, I think defensively, he think he's going to be fine. I mean, there's honestly not really a whole lot to like like about the kid. Yeah, I, I have him going here as well. I mean, people who've been listening to this show know he's been my favorite prospect from this Kentucky group from the beginning of the season. You know, I, I was a guy 
who sort of said, I thought that their season rested a lot in his hands, that if he just, you know, didn't turn the ball over as much, um, that they had a lot of potential to do some really special things, and that I wanted the ball in his hands more than Quade's, not as a diss to Quade Green, but just uh, Gilgis Alexander is just a really, really strong player, uh, really crafty, really smart, uh, gets inside with great ease, um, jumper obviously a work in progress obviously not the most athletic guy either but I think he's just very high IQ uh, as you said playmaker uh, there's potential there for his shot to get better that's sort of a nice way of saying it's not very good right now but you know uh, I, I didn't look at him shooting the ball and think like Jesus Christ that's never going to happen you know um, it's not it's not Trayvon Duvall you know what I mean uh, mm. So yeah, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a great fit for Charlotte. Number twelve, the first of two LA Clippers picks. I'm gonna go Zaire Smith right here. Um, I was hoping he would fall to the Wizards at fifteen. I think he's the type of player that could potentially um, become a star at the NBA level um, with a little more seasoning. Um, Wizards aren't really known for player development. That's the one thing that would kind of throw me off about him coming to town. Um, but you know, I've seen rumors about them potentially trading Brad Bill just because it seems like the team kind of needs a jolt sure. and maybe trading Brad, maybe trading John. I think probably more likely they trade Brad, uh, maybe try and move up in the draft a little bit to maybe draft Zaya Smith. But, um, if they were to move him, I think somebody like Zaya Smith in about a year or two is somebody that could come in and like be somebody that people were like, where the hell was this kid? In college, because a lot of people don't really know a lot about him. Like, if you didn't watch a lot of Big 12 basketball this year, if you didn't um, see Texas Tech, you don't really know a lot about this kid. But And he wasn't really that highly rated come out of high school. But no, not athletically, at all. Yeah, but just from an athleticism standpoint, he's just off the charts. And I think he's somebody that you just project maybe, to, you know, like I said, a year, two, two, three years down the line. He's somebody that could be special. And I think at this point in the draft, I think you take that gamble. So... And he's a great representative of coming out at the right time. No you know doubt I mean? about it. No like doubt he t- about he it. He took like 45 threes, hit like over 40% of them, and said, peace. Yep. <laughs> Which yep. is what you should do. It's what most of these no dudes should have done. Yeah. Um, I notice I haven't put Miles Bridges on the board yet. <laughs> still still waiting on him. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, if if the Clippers are picking here and Trey Young is on the uh, is on the board, then that's then that's an absolute slam dunk. I mean, that's that's a no brainer. Trey Young in L.A. No brainer. I don't need to say much about that. I I think he's gonna be great television because he's gonna shoot terrible shots, <laughs> make a lot of them. He's gonna make absolute barn burner passes the the likes of which you know a lot of players just aren't bold enough to uh, aren't bold enough to execute uh great handles crispy handles um and and defensively i i think the best he could do is try to hope to be the type of guy who would anticipate uh you know passes maybe jump some passing lanes try and cheat a little bit uh try and slap the ball away that sort of thing because physicality is just never going to be his thing um I think he's the type of guy that obviously has all-star potential in the sense that 
he can fill it up and he can put up some gaudy numbers if he's in the right situation and the Clippers would be the right situation. But in a bad scenario, he's one of those guys who just gets the reputation of being an empty gunner on a bad team, uh, which he can make a good career out of that. Maybe he would be doing that in, in L.A. for the Clippers. But uh, I think that's I think that's a perfect fit for him there. Uh, number 13, also the Clippers. I think go Robert Williams. Um, if you're looking to potentially move DeAndre Jordan, I think he's your perfect replacement. Um, doesn't have the motor that, you know, again, motor, but doesn't have the motor DeAndre has, but um, a lot of similarities in regards to his athleticism. Um, if he didn't have motor concerns, I think this kid could be a, he could be a stud. Um, it's because, you know, from an athletic standpoint, he's everything you want somebody that could, you know, pick and rolls, um, run the floor. I think defensively he's going to be a good player. Um yeah, I, it, to me, that's not really a whole lot not to like. It's, again, just it's a little erratic as far as what Robert Williams is going to get tonight. You don't really know. But if you can find a way to, you know, flip that switch and he comes to play every night, you got to steal. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm going to go Kevin Knox here. Uh, again, good upside. Uh, I think he's <laughs> – I'm, I'm sure that you uh, – I don't know if you saw Huggy's tweet about how he's going to be better than uh, Jason Tatum and Paul George. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, um, I don't even I don't even respond that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I believe he said on OK Player that uh, Kevin Knox's floor was Otto Porter. You know, I'll, I'll put I'll put that sure. one there for you. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um. Yeah. I I think he's good. I think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, he's got to work out some of the stuff. I don't love the sort of I what I would call like relative athleticism uh, I would love for his jumper to be more consistent uh, he's he's got a lot of developing to do but I think he's the type of guy that has a better ceiling than a lot of the guys below him and the Clippers again they, ju- they just need talent they're not trying to win right now and so you know draft a guy like Knox work on him for a year or two and see what you've got and again I think worst case scenario you've got some sort of role player um, but best case scenario, you've got a guy who could end up being a a good professional wing basketball player. Uh, number fourteen to the Nuggets. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Knox here. Solid prospect. I didn't really like the auto ported dig, so say <laughs> So we'll leave it there. Yeah. Uh. I'll I'll somewhat reluctantly go Miles Bridges here. Um, I'm I'm not even necessarily convinced that I like him more than some of the guys below, but I can understand why people would like him enough to make sure that he goes lottery or at least right around this range. Um, he's got a pretty high floor. He's a he's a catch and shoot guy who will give you some good defense. Like I like I I could see him being a 3 and D wing player in the NBA. But he doesn't really create uh not an especially good ball handler. Um probably would be more comfortable playing in the paint, which he really can't do at this level. Um so yeah, I think he's going to be somewhat relegated to being the sort of guy who runs around the outside and and looks for catch and shoot threes. If they aren't in transition, in transition he's fantastic. But uh, but yeah, I, I think he's got some upside if you can teach him, you know, 
some handles, some playmaking, you know, to sort of execute for himself off the bounce a little better, uh, then there's some potential there because the kid is very athletic and very strong. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm just not especially high on him, and he absolutely should have come out last year without question. Uh, and then I, w- I want to hear who you would take at this point for the, the Wizards, KB, for your Washington Wizards. I don't really know a lot about this guy, um, but they need a big in the worst way. Um, you got Mitchell Robinson? Yeah, why not? Yeah, they, 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 they need a center, so – I mean, I've I've got here in my mock draft, I've got Robert Williams still on the board. I would much rather that, much rather he would make perfect sense playing with John Wall. Like they could run, would, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be the dream scenario. But again, I don't know a lot about Robinson. From what I understand, he can do a lot of that type of thing. Um, he has a you know a high defensive ceiling. So you know. I don't really like how this whole thing went down as far as I'm not playing college basketball and some of the things I heard that were going on right. behind the scenes, I'm not a big fan of. Um, but You sort of wonder how yeah, I, how much he wants to play. Exactly, exactly. So, either one of those guys. Like, I, I would prefer Robert Williams if he was available. Um, but, yeah, there's no way they don't take a center. And there's no way that if I'm the GM at this point, we, we, we got to get bigger up front. We got to get bigger and younger up front. I, I can't deal with an, a, another season of Emmy Emmy and Marching Gortat being the five rotation. That, that just can't happen. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I think Robert Williams would be real good. I, I like the things that you said. I would just add to that that he uh, – when he's locked in, he is single-handedly a game changer. Like, he's the type of guy who you understand why when he came back people were like, oh, he's a lock for a top five pick or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's because when he's locked in, well, we saw it in that UNC game, obviously. You know, when when he is when he's on, you're not coming in the paint. Period. You're just, you're just you're not coming in, right. and you know, he obviously can't shoot that <laughs> much, if at all, uh, which is problematic in today's uh, NBA. Certainly, um, obviously, we could see some hacker Robert at some point, unless he unless he works that out to some extent. Um, but defensively, he can do a lot uh, for his size. He's so versatile uh, in terms of what he can defend. His shot blocking is exceptional. His rebounding is really good. Yeah, it's just a motor question because when he's not locked in, he, he has a tendency to just sort of stand in the middle and be big, uh, which which is not really what you want, uh, especially if you're uh, a team like the Wizards. So, yeah, that's the 15th. KB, you got to go? Yeah, buddy. I got to get out of here. All right, we will resume right after this, but uh, I will let KB get his plugs in. Uh, Kenny, where can the good people find you? Uh, they can find me on the High Five Starter Podcast that comes out Thursday mornings. You can search uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, search High Five Starter. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at KBA, that's K-B-A-D-D-S. And any, uh, any players in... Uh, Sort of the the late first, early second that you think are, are going to be good steals for teams down there? Dude, you know, I actually kind of like Kevin Herter. I know I'm not supposed to say that. You do? I kind of like that kid, man. Um, I think he, you know, he didn't really get a lot of shine just because Merlin was awful this this season. But from what I saw in the season, I was like, you know what? That kid might got a chance. Now, I didn't think he would come out this year, but I think maybe after 
next season, I thought he could be somebody that was a potential lottery pick. But, you know, you talk about uh, Zaire Smith, you know, just coming out at the right time. Yeah, Kevin Hurt sure. came out at the right time. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, if yeah. you get that first-round guarantee, go. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure whether I buy him as more than, like, a, too much more than a three-point specialist. Like, I, I'm I'm not 100% sold I, he, on some of that. It's the thing. I saw him do some things with the ball. Like, he, I, I think he's a lot more athletic than people give him credit for. He's definitely got he's that. he's a lot more of a yeah. smooth athlete. He can handle the rock. Like, he can do some things. I, it, it's like you just saw it in spurts, and I'm just like, you know, why don't they kind of feature him a little bit? Like, I, I you know. I'm I mean that's that's mock surgeon badge and such and but yeah sure I mean like but that's a question that you know I had as well I mean like if you if you're watching a game and he's not shooting the ball or not doing things like then then what's what's going on you know what I mean it's definitely one of those mm-hmm. guys where if if he's not locked in and he's like in like I'm gonna I'm gonna score mode I'm gonna shoot mode I'm like whatever uh, I I don't know I I just had some questions about his. Uh, he I, he felt like that type of guy who'd give you twenty points or he'd give you like nine, you know what I mean? Right, right. So I don't know. I and maybe um, and maybe it, and maybe it just felt that way in the games that I was watching. Admittedly, I I you probably saw more Maryland than I did this year. Um, but yeah, I just I when I heard that he was going to be in the first round, I wasn't surprised. But when I started to see him like projected like seventeen, eighteen, like in there, that. Just looking at some of the guys that that would mean he's taken over, uh, that would surprise me. Okay, and but it's going to happen to you. I'm sorry. Just real quick, just some names that just come to mind. Um, yeah, sure. I like Aaron. I like Aaron Holiday. I like him. Uh, I think Troy Brown could be a really good NBA player for a long time. And of course, I like the Michael Jordan of Delaware, Dante Divincenzo. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Uh, so uh, I will let you go, KB, and uh, listeners. I will be back momentarily with 16 through 30 right after this hey everyone russell here from 2.1 seconds to madness now we all experience march madness but we at this podcast feel it's high time you felt some merch madness now we've had a few people ask us about t-shirts in the past wanting to buy some 2.1 seconds shirts so i've made a design it's a clean quality t-shirt and it says in college print on the front quite simply this is merch That's an original catchphrase. It's not based on anything any other media member uses on Twitter. It's completely original. This is merch. And on the back in small college print at the top, 2.1 Seconds to Madness, your college basketball podcast. Now, we're willing to make these shirts in any color that's available. Yes, though it pains me to say it, I'll make you a Carolina blue and white This is Merch shirt if you want. Uh, It's going to be a fun way of representing our podcast in public. We'd be thrilled for absolutely anyone to wear one. But because I want to give a variety of color options to the people so that you can wear them in the college colors of your choice if they're available, I can't pre-order or pre-create the shop on Teespring. It's just too many varieties. So if you'd like a This Is Merch t-shirt or as an alternative, a This Is Merch mug, please send me an email at merchmadnessshirts.com. At gmail.com. That's merchmadnessshirts at gmail.com. Let me know what colors you would like a merch shirt in. I'll try to keep the shirts as close to $20 as possible. The price may vary depending on the color and or quality of the shirt. But I won't collect a dime from you until we've communicated first and I've made sure that the shirt is to your liking. Now I'll offer these again in the fall, but this will be the first batch. 
you can be the cool fan supporting the show and rocking a This Is Merch shirt with pride next season. If interested, please email merchmadnessshirts at gmail.com. And thanks again for supporting 2.1 Seconds to Madness. Hey, everybody. I am back. Russell Hainline, back again, 16 through 30. I'm very sorry that KB could not join us for the rest of the show. He had a hell of a day today. I'm very, very grateful he was able to join for as much as he could. Um, But on the upside, although it will be just me talking, which is absolutely a downside, on the upside, we'll get through 16 through 30 a little bit faster, potentially, uh, which is not too shabby. Uh, Let's just dive right into this thing. Number 16, Phoenix Suns. I've got Kyrie Thomas from Creighton. Uh, I think I might be a little higher on him than other people. Uh, I know people are concerned that he's a little undersized. He's a bit of a combo guard, but as established in the first half of the podcast, I don't really care about the combo guard thing. Can he play? Uh, And this guy can play. This guy is sensational. Um, He's a great shooter. He's a terrific defender, one of the better uh, perimeter defenders in this draft. I think Phoenix could absolutely use somebody that could do a little ball handling creation if necessary, and uh, certainly they could use the help on the perimeter defensively. You know, again, I understand that maybe I'm reaching here, uh, but whatever. It's my show. It's my podcast. It's my mock draft. I'll do what I want. Um, I I think this kid is great. I think he's going to be a you know decade plus player. He's a prototypical perimeter three and D guy. Definitely has some upside. Little undersized, sure, but uh, everything I like about this kid it fits the NBA perfectly in my opinion. So number sixteen, I've got him. Seventeen, Milwaukee Bucks, Mitchell Robinson. We already heard why KB wants to take him in Washington. You know, Milwaukee can only start, you know, a Zeller or a Plumley for so long, right? Uh, is John Henson really going to be the big man that takes them to the promised land? They need somebody down there. They've shown in the past they've done well with sort of developmental projects like Giannis, like uh, Maker. You know, Mitchell Robinson, I think, would add nicely to that. And because he's, you know, sort of a goonish big in the middle, he might be able to contribute right away which I think would definitely be helpful for their aspirations. Uh, I know that they're very good and looking to make runs sooner rather than later. Number 18, San Antonio Spurs. Uh, I've got Gary Trent Jr. from Duke. I can hear the UNC fans groaning and rolling their eyes at this one. I've seen Gary anywhere from mid-first round all the way to like mid-second round. There's a very wide range. I think people were very skeptical about his defense. I don't think Gary was the problem, guys. Yeah, he had some awareness problems that, again, happened to all young players, especially along the perimeter. But he's got the potential there. He's got the body. He's got the length. Uh, yeah, he's maybe not the fastest dude in the world, but he is strong and he's and he's crafty. And he was terrific with his hands at creating steals while he was at Duke. Um, So I'm not really that worried about his defense. I think he's a sensational shooter. He creates really well for himself. He probably needs to get a little better at passing. Um, But he's pretty good with that extra pass. He he knows how the game is played. He's a smart guy. Uh, You get a little good and bad with the fact that he's quite aggressive. right? He's looking to score. He's looking to create. Uh, Occasionally, that gives him a little bit of tunnel vision. I think if anybody can crack him of that bad habit, it's definitely pop. I think that this is 
uh, a great addition. He can be the next Ginobili on that team. He's the type of guy who, again, has a knack to make the right play, very smart player, physical player, gritty player. Uh, he can learn to defend in an environment like the Spurs. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go for some of these other shooting guards here, but I think Trent is safely a first-rounder, at least in my book. He was coming into the season as well. I, d I don't really understand the skepticism. Again, that's obvious bias. I can't work my way around that, but I've seen him play a lot. And most mock drafts have Grayson Allen over Gary Trent. I definitely think it should be the other way around. So I have Gary at number 18 to the Spurs. Number 19 to the Hawks, Dante DiVincenzo. Villanova, the Michael Jordan of Delaware. Uh, you know, I've had a conversation or two with, like, uh, Huggy on Twitter about this. I'm not saying that this kid is going to be a star, but there's nothing he can't do. Uh, he's athletic. He's got good positional size. He creates well. He shoots well. He's aggressive. He's got a high motor. Um, you know, I guess I could fault him for being maybe a little too aggressive if things aren't going his way. Uh, that's really, really nitpicky for a guy that you're taking, you know, right around pick 20 in the draft. Uh, this is a guy who can fill in a spot right away. High IQ player, strong athlete, uh, definitely defensive potential there. Uh, again, sort of like some of these other wing players we're going to be talking about, uh, especially the younger ones. Not maybe the best defender at present, um, but you can learn. And like I said earlier, I'm not really valuing defense enormously if you are tremendously gifted offensively, which DiVincenzo definitely is. So I'm going to go with him for the Hawks at 19. Number 20, Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm going to go Lonnie Walker, Miami. Here's a guy that never really figured it out this season. He showed it in flashes. Uh, there's certainly a couple of games that really opened my eyes. But he's just one of those guys that has the body, but I don't really think has the desire. I mean, uh, he struggled in many games just to sort of engage on both ends. He's got the capacity to engage on both ends. Uh, just is it there? I know a lot of people have him a lot higher than... Uh, where I'm currently putting him. Um, I sort of maybe see him as like sort of a Diet Coke J.R. Smith type, where if everything goes right, he can hit threes, he can defend a little bit, um, you know, be sort of a useful role player, but I don't, I don't really see him being a star, and I certainly don't see him being worth a lottery pick. Number 21 to the Utah Jazz, you know, I'm assuming that they're going to need a Derek Favors uh, replacement. Uh, Andrew Amari Spellman for me. He's not the same type of player, uh, but he is a useful player in uh, today's NBA. Uh, he's certainly the type of guy who has some decent length, good shot blocking. Uh, he's not really going to be a rim protector because he's small. He's not going to be a great defender on the outside because his side-to-side -side quickness is just so-so. But he's a smart player. He's a good passer. He's a terrific shooter. If he's making his threes at the next level, uh, he will start for a very long time uh, in the NBA. Number 22 to the Chicago Bulls. I've got Jerome Robinson. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he falls this far, frankly. I'm, I'm not really convinced that that's going to happen. Uh, he can score in a lot of different ways. Good driver, decent outside shooter. Uh, not a defender by any stretch, but again, that's not really going to be Hoiberg's thing anyway. 
Hoiberg wants a guy who's going to be a little versatile in that offense uh, on the outside who can sort of do a lot of things. Uh, I think Robinson could be that. I'd love to see Robinson maybe uh, be a little more consistent as somebody that can create for others, that can move the ball around some. But uh, certainly if somebody can get him there, it's Hoiberg. I, I, I just like the fit here. 23, the Indiana Pacers. I've got Aaron Holiday from UCLA. Uh, this is a pretty self-explanatory one. I think they can use some point guard play, and I think Aaron Holiday is the best point guard prospect still on the board. Uh, I like him a little bit more than guys like Jalen Brunson and Landry Shamit just because he's faster. He's got a better wingspan. I think he's got more potential defensively. Uh, he's maybe not the passer that those guys are, but he's got some good potential, and I think he does have good vision when he is passing. Uh, he just maybe is a little more turnover-prone, a little more reckless than those two guys. Uh, but still, I think that uh, a team like Indiana that could sort of use shooting, that could use some point guard relief right away, I think he's a guy who can step in and provide energy off the bench day one, uh, which is really great, and he probably provides you know a little bit of upside to him if he can sort of develop uh, a little bit more in regards to taking care of the ball, taking care of that assist-to-turnover ratio. He's always going to be a little bit small, but again, in sort of mid-20s, if you can find a good, solid backup point guard, I think you're in pretty good shape. Uh, 24, I've got Troy Brown, Portland Trailblazers, uh, sort of a hometown pick here uh, of sorts. I know, home state pick. That's a much better way of putting it. Um Look, I'm going to be honest. Out of all the guys in the first round who were college players, I've probably seen Troy Brown play the least uh, because of just I don't have Pac-12 network. <laughs> so I didn't get to see as much of him as I would like, as much of him as some of these other guys. So my opinion is pretty fluid. I, I like his potential. Uh, I like his effort. Um, I think he's incredibly raw. So there's... Uh, clearly a downside to him if he does not pan out. Uh, I think Portland is a really good place for him. You know, he won't be asked to do too much. He can come along nicely uh, with Lillard and McCollum sort of taking the brunt of the, you know, ball handling, let Brown be a role player until he, you know, maybe develops a little bit more into the sort of star potential possibly that uh, people saw from him. Again, I'm not 100% sure I buy it. I'm, I'm really questioning the jump shot because uh, if I recall correctly, wasn't impressed with him as a shooter. And if he's not a good shooter on the wing, is he just going to be like a grit guy? What is he? Um, but I like the potential here that he provides at 24, the upside. For 25, L.A. Lakers. I'm going to go with a guy whose name begins with L.A., Landry Shamit, Wichita State. Um, I, I wasn't really sure where to go here. I wasn't in love with a bunch of the options. They're clearly going to go after guys like Paul George, maybe LeBron, maybe Kawhi Leonard. So here you got to think that they're looking, you know, a couple of different places. They're looking for big men, and there really aren't any left at this point. Or they're looking for maybe a backup for Lonzo Ball because right now they got Lonzo Ball, and that's it. I don't really believe in Isaiah Thomas going forward. Landry Shamit takes care of the ball. He's a smart player. He's a heady player, and he's a deadly shooter from the outside, which, again, is something that I think the Lakers desperately need. He's a feisty defender. Not sure he's going to be a very good defender just due to his slight uh, size and frame uh, at the next level. Uh, not necessarily like the fastest guy, the greatest athlete in the world either. Um, but, again, in terms of backup point guard, 
I like him. Uh, I would have considered him a first-round pick, certainly after the season before the debacle in the Marshall game. I'm not going to let one game dispel the fact that I think this kid is a backup NBA point guard and a first-round pick talent. Uh, let's see, number 26 for the Sixers. Uh, how do I pronounce this guy's name? Janin Musa? I think I said that correctly. I wrote it down. Janin Musa. Nice. Uh, I've just heard good things. Uh, he's clearly going to be the type of guy who gets kicked around in the first round. I think the Sixers, with all the picks they have, are definitely going to pick some stash guys. Uh, this is a guy who definitely seems to have pretty high upside. So I think a high upside Croatian sounds like something that the Sixers would go after here. Number 27. Boston Celtics. I'm going Jacob Evans from Cincinnati. Uh, this is 100% the type of guy Brad Stevens loves. Versatile. He can do a lot. He can do everything. Maybe not the greatest, most consistent shooter, but hard work, effort, looks to help others. Very high IQ. Defense, defense, defense. Uh, if Marcus Smart is not coming back, Jacob Evans could step in tomorrow, and the team could potentially not miss a beat. Uh, definitely love the fit here. He's the type of guy that if he goes to another team and they ask him to do too much, it's not really going to be a good fit. But off the bench for Boston, I think he could help right away. 28, Golden State Warriors. I've talked about this on Twitter before. they got to go Grayson Allen from Duke. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Grayson the dirty player with Draymond Green on the same team. Just the, the sheer hatred would be just palpable and delicious i would absolutely love it uh to see this happen plus you know it, he'd be a good energy guy off the bench uh, you know realistically they're going to lose nick young uh they're probably going to lose looney they're going to lose some of that bench production um some of their guys are getting older obviously here's a guy that i have absolute faith that he can come in he can make the open three he can make the extra pass not a brilliant defender, but off the bench, he doesn't need to be. He's also got some potential there. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the type of guy who could do sort of like a Matt Delavadova career reinvention at the next level, uh, especially if Golden State, you know, encourages him to stick his foot out every now and then, bump a guy every now and then, you know. that's uh, It seems to be a really nice marriage of, of style and just uh, I think – other opposing team fans would absolutely loathe him. And Golden State, maybe they are not in love with him off the break, but just let him be feisty out there in a Golden State Warriors uniform, and the fans would fall in love with him very quickly. 29, uh, Brooklyn Nets. I'm going Kata Bates-Jop uh, from Ohio State. He's pretty versatile. He's a guy who can do a lot of things. Uh, he's got potential on both ends, I think. Uh, maybe he could come around as a as a more consistent shooter. I'm, I'm, well, here's my concern, right? I watched Bates Jop underwhelm the first three seasons, right? Uh, and his last season at Ohio State, he's brilliant. He's like Big Ten Player of the Year. Okay, so do I believe that that's the anomaly, or do I believe that that's the new standard? And I'm not 100% sure what I believe. If I believed that senior year Bates Jop was here to stay, I'd definitely pick him higher in the 20s. Uh, but I'm a bit of a skeptic, frankly. Um, I think that he should be a really good player. I'm a skeptic that he'd be that good, is what I'm saying. I think he's a good NBA prospect. Uh, he can score in a lot of ways, which is definitely what Brooklyn needs. Uh, he's got some upside for sure. 
Uh, again, something that Brooklyn desperately needs. Uh, so I like the fit there. And then for number 30, Atlanta Hawks. Look, let's uh, let's pair up DiVincenzo with his boy Jalen Brunson from Villanova. Dennis Schroeder is on his way out in Atlanta, just the way he's been talking. Uh, he may be gone before draft night. He may be gone by the time you're listening to this. Uh, so they need some point guard help. Uh, I don't think Brunson is the answer. I think he's a smart, capable backup. Uh, if... This is where it gets really hard when you watch a lot of college basketball is because you fall in love with these players who play the right way, who can do everything, who aren't bad at anything, and they're just not pro players. And then it becomes really hard to differentiate like which guy is which. Which guy is the guy who will overcome those physical obstacles and be a great pro player, as great as he was in college, and which guy like is going to be out of the pros in six to seven years because he just simply can't cut it because he's not big enough. He's not able to play the way he used to play. I don't really know what the answer is. I don't have the answer to that, um, but I get scared. You know, as somebody who went all in on guys like, you know, Johnny Flynn or, or you know, I mean, that's the famous name. That's the name off the top. If he hadn't been hurt, maybe he – well, whatever. Uh, but I, I get scared of, of smaller guards that aren't great athletes. And Brunson definitely falls uh, into that wheelhouse. I think he can be a backup. I think he's a great fit here. Uh, but it's hard for me to fall uh, in love with his long-term potential beyond that. Uh, that's my first round. I've also got a second round that I obviously um, am questioning the second after I finish it. The second round is pretty dire after after the first bit. Um, you know, looking at some of the guys that I did not have in the first round that I think have good value, Josh Okogie from uh, Georgia Tech, I think he's the type of guy who could be a first-rounder, definitely can create for himself. He's an interesting prospect. Shake Milton from SMU uh, has potential as sort of a jackknife, versatile guy. Uh, KB mentioned Kevin Herter. I'm not a big fan. Uh, but certainly people are. He'll definitely go in the first round in the real draft. Uh, Mo Wagner from Michigan. Uh, I have him going 33 to Dallas Mavericks. If if Dirk could teach Mo a thing or two, that'd be great for his long-term potential. Uh, there's some guys that we haven't really seen much of, guys like uh, Anthony Simons, uh, D'Anthony Melton. Uh, Melton in particular, I think, has a lot of potential. Um, it's just I haven't really seen much of him. It's hard for me to put him up there. There's a few guys that were projected first-round picks at various points that I think are worth looks. Uh, certainly Bruce Brown from Miami uh, had lottery pick potential at one point. Uh, Trayvon Duval coming in to Duke was a projected lottery pick. Uh, can't shoot for shit, but if he could become even a manageable shooter and even halfway decent with his assist-to-turnover ratio... He's got the tools to be like he's he's the type of guy that is either a lame bench guy who sticks around for six to seven years exclusively on his potential, or he's the type of guy that could become a, a starter slash potential all star based exclusively on you know how how well he develops at the next level. Um, He's got the tools. We'll see. Another guy who's got the tools to be really special but also has a pretty low uh, downside, Jared Vanderbilt from Kentucky. Uh, I, I really liked what I saw from him as sort of a, a rebounding you know, specialist down low. 
not necessarily the type of guy where the game is going per se. Um, but again, if you've got a guy who can who can clean the glass like that, I think that's definitely good value for the second round. Chandler Hutchison from Boise State is probably a guy who's going to go in the first round. Again, similar to Herter, I, I like him without loving him. Justin Jackson from Maryland is a guy who was a projected first rounder, absolutely should have left. Projected lottery guy, should have left. Uh, but again, guys like him. Chimezi Metu from USC, uh, maybe Hamadou Diallo from Kentucky, guys who at one point were very highly regarded but dipped for reasons. Uh, you know, maybe Brandon McCoy from UNLV is another guy who might fall under that umbrella. Uh, if I'm in the second round, I kick the tires on those guys because what's the worst that can happen? Nothing comes of them. I mean, best that can happen, you have a first-rounder in your hands for a second-round contract that fell for, you know, circumstances that that have passed him by, right? Um, way into the stretch range of that would be someone like Billy Preston from Kansas. I not sold a lot of scary things there. He's also sort of old for a freshman. Uh, but again, he's the type of guy that if you can get him playing right, uh, he's got value. Uh, Javon Carter is another guy that I wanted to bring up. Again, uh, he could be just a bench 15-minute-per-game point guard guy who's just tough as nails. Uh, if you could see a guy becoming like another Patrick Beverly type, like sort of a Diet Coke Patrick Beverly, that would be Javon Carter uh, for sure. Um, guys that may go undrafted that I just wanted to mention that I think could potentially be pro players, uh, Dante Grantham from Clemson is a guy that I think would have been locked to be drafted, maybe even could have been a late first-rounder had he not gotten injured. Uh, so I think people are scared of the injury. I, I would not be. Um, I would definitely make sure he gets drafted. Then there's just guys that I really like that I want to see get drafted, like Joe Lawal Achuil. Couldn't be further from how the game is being played today. Um, but again, if you just need a guy to clean some glass and block some shots, he could be a, an 8-10 to minute-per-game guy. Um and again, if you take him at the very end of the second round, that's pretty good value. Uh, same for, like, Rob Gray from Houston. That kid is just so... This is where, again, you fall in love with college players who are so tough and so skilled and show so much heart. But, like, that doesn't really mean anything at the next level if you don't have the body, if you don't have the athleticism, if you don't have some of those things. I'm not convinced Rob Gray has those things, but I would definitely kick the tires on a kid like him in like the last five picks of the draft. Um, yeah, those are some thoughts on some of the second round guys. Um, I think that's everything. I don't think I have anything more. This podcast has been rather long. Hopefully the audio is okay with me switching from the KB to this. Um, this might be the end of the season. I think we'll maybe do like a, a post-draft episode of some sort, just giving some grades. Uh, but for now, uh, that's going to do it. So uh, you can find me at Russell H. Film on Twitter, on Instagram. You can also find me on Instagram, Russell H. Beer, if you're a beer drinker. Uh, I post what I've been drinking. It's L.A. Beer Week right now, so it's a good time to be on the West Coast. Please check those things out. Follow our podcast, at Seconds to Madness on Twitter. Um, Facebook.com slash uh, Seconds to Madness. Seconds to Madness on Twitter is Seconds the Number 2 Madness. Did I say that? It's really late at night. I apologize if I did. This podcast needs to end. Thank you to everybody who's left reviews. 
Uh, thank you to the, even the people who said there were audio issues. I'm, I'm trying to make sure that those are fixed in the future. Um, again, I know it probably feels weird uh, leaving a negative review or negative comments for a show you like. It is constructive. Uh, if you don't want to leave it in a review, if you want to give us a five-star, but then email me and say, Russell, the, the audio, that's great too, right? Either way, I'm just happy that people are listening, happy that people care about the show. Um, so thank you to everybody. Thank you for the people on Twitter, on Reddit, to the people who I don't know who you are. Uh, and again, buy a This Is Merch shirt. Uh, send an email, merchmadnessshirts at gmail.com. Uh, 4KB, for myself, Russell Hainline, this has been 2.1 Seconds to Madness. Good night. <laughs> you know my stage, my stage. Let them know, do your thing.